This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We are continuing to talk about the changes because they are so monumental that are happening in the neurosurgery residency application process. And I am absolutely delighted to be welcoming Dan Resnick, an old friend of mine. I call my big brother in neurosurgery or spine surgery uh, to come talk to us about it. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so Dan, I think, uh, JP, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the first spinal surgeon we're having on to talk about this. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So we know we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to talk about the real stuff. So <laughs> JP and I have desperately tried to get people who represent various, uh, I don't want to say entities, but various perspectives right. on what's happening. And and in Miami, um, Rick Comitar got in some trouble last year because he had made some statements about how we're doing things in Miami, who's just a little too honest. I think the AAMC got a little upset. He had to retract some of that, and, and we understand their perspective. But what's going on in Madison, Wisconsin? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak from the perspective of a, a program director, you know, so I've, I've had lots of roles. I've been on lots of committees, but I'm just talking about how we're dealing with it here in Wisconsin. Um, the the, um, the changes are really uh, substantial. I mean, we're, we're losing board scores. We'll have them. We'll have them for most of our applicants this year, but then they're gone. Most medical schools aren't really giving us uh, grades uh, anymore. Um, so we're kind of floating free that way. And so we, we've come to rely more and more and more on the personal statement and on the letters of recommendation from um, from from local mentors as as part of our screening of uh, of uh, of applicants. This year, the the um, applicants have the ability or the choice to provide a I want to call it an augmented application with with uh, substantial supplemental materials, and which adds up to basically another four or five pages of essays, uh, along with the standard personal statement, along with the standard dean's letter, um, which, you know, as you know, you know, the dean's letter, you kind of just skip to the last line of the dean's letter because it, it, it's, it's, it, they're very difficult to, to, to interpret. And so from a, from a program director standpoint and someone who has to do all the screening, we're, we're sort of lost in the woods. What we've done is we've, tripled the size of our screening committee. So we used to just have three of us uh, do the screening, go through all the applications, uh, look at board scores, look at the, the medical school that they're coming from, look at their medical school rank, um, look at the letters of recommendation, and most importantly, look at their personal statement. And uh, we, we had a point system, and your medical school counted, your, your um, board score counted, your rank in medical school counted, and, but the thing that counted the most was that personal statement, and, and we called it the story. Um, and that was that was you know the the first generation immigrant who who came from nowhere and you know you know clawed his way and worked extra jobs and got into medical school you know or or the or the person who's a division one athlete and you know doing that in addition to you know um, um, doing the academic things you need to do to get into medical school or or or, or someone who who's uh, who had a brain tumor literally I mean, you, you've seen these applicants they, they, these are just unbelievable people so. We actually give, gave the story the largest um, um, share of our point system for screening applicants. Uh, now with the supplemental application, though, there's going to be four more pages of story. Um, and as a program that actually reads those things, um, it, it's, the workload has just become 
uh, insane. Uh, so we so we've increased our our, our screening uh, committee from three to nine, um, and we're going to get started as soon as we can working on that. And then we got to figure out what to do with these signals that the students are allowed to have now. Have you, I, I, I'm sure you've talked about this with other folks regarding the uh, the, the signaling. Um, but uh, but basically, uh, med students can choose, I believe, eight places that they can signal that they are uh, highly interested in, and they can choose a region that they can signal that they're highly interested in. I, I'm we have you know I think fourteen rotators this year, and every single one of them asked me what they're supposed to do with this, and I I don't know what to tell them. Um, you know because if you if you don't signal a place, the place doesn't know that you didn't signal them and signal somebody else. They just know they didn't see. So you could either be non-participating in that part of it, or you could be participating in non-signaling that, not signaling that, that particular program. Um, it's um, it's going to be very difficult this first year to try and figure out who's serious about what and, um, and, and what these, what these signals actually mean. And I fear that it's going to, it's going to have, Consequences such that you know everyone's going to signal four programs, um, and you know, and and a couple regions, and um, you know, it's really what happened when, when the interviews went online. When all of a sudden the top fifty candidates got every single interview in the country because uh, every program wanted to talk to them because they could because they were free mm-hmm. and easy. Uh, I I I I'm, I I fear that there's going to be the 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 um, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I, I think there was great intentions with this process, but I, I suspect that it may have adverse consequences that were unanticipated. Yeah, Dr. Resnick, it's very interesting. And I, and I appreciate the fact that right from the outset, you said you're speaking as a program director and you're wearing that hat tonight. At this point, we've talked with various guests from the perspective of a chair, from the perspective of someone who had a role at the SNS and could kind of talk about um, how that process is run and how the sausage is made, so to speak. But it, it's great to get kind of an unfiltered and um, explicit perspective from the program directorship. And it, it's interesting. I'll remind our guests, if, if anyone's been with us this long, you were actually one of our earliest guests in season one. Way back in episode 21, we had you on to talk about patient satisfaction and those elusive patient satisfaction scores that we all chase from day to day at work, or, or maybe we don't, depending on how seriously you take them. But I wonder if when you're you know, in your role as program director, you get these commandments handed down. Here's how things are going to happen this year. Here's extra information to process. Here's new steps to follow and find a way to make sense of it. Extra work for you to do, extra personnel you have to bring in, as you said. Is there any explicit or planned uh, mechanism to give feedback on this whole process and all these new mechanisms? Or are, are you just sent out to see and then we'll see how it works out? Well, the, the the SNS has actually done a great job. I assume you had you've had Stacy on, but I mean they they've actually done a, a very good job in terms of both um, putting out. I mean they they had webinars for program directors, program coordinators, and applicants um, uh, about the process, and they and they are collecting um, feedback. Um, the problem is I don't know I have no feedback to give them right now because it, it hasn't happened yet. And, right. and the, the problem I have is I've got multiple students asking my advice and I don't know what to tell them. You know, what, what do I, you know, how do, how, how do you use these eight, eight, 
these eight magic things, right? Um, do you, do you, do you, do you be aspirational? Do you be practical? Do you, you know, cover your butt? You know, how, how are you going to use them and how am I going to interpret them? You know, um, we, we, in, in our match process are usually fairly aspirational. We really try to get the best athletes. And if someone is, um, you know, it, to express interest in our program, you come and rotate with us. And, and honestly, that's, that's, I'm, I'm, I, that this is common. This is this is not just us. You know, you, you rotate with us, you get to kick the tires, we get to kick the tires. Um, that that's the best way to endear yourself. You know, to the to the application committee. You know, uh, by far, what these signals are going to mean from someone who hasn't rotated with us, boy, I just don't know. Yeah, Dan, that's that's a really important point because this is truly uncharted territory, and I think Stacy uh, Quintero Wolf was on with us. She mentioned that neurosurgery is trying to compromise somewhere in the middle in terms of the number of signals. But how does a program actually figure out how to interpret that signal anyways, right? And have you have you had any um, folks to reach out to? Have people come to you and said, Dan, this is how we look at it? Or, or does every program just work in a silo here? Well, we've, we've through the SNS, we've talked as groups of program directors on how to advise students on what to do with their um, their likes, I guess it's it's almost like a uh, you know, <laughs> Facebook thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, but in terms of how to interpret them, I don't know. I I, I strongly suspect there are going to be you know certain strong programs are going to get a whole bunch of likes, and other programs won't get quite so many. Um, at our place, we generally, and I I don't I don't mean to be you know I don't want this to sound you know callous, but we really go for the best athletes and. Um, it's great if, uh, if if you express interest, um, and that's wonderful. But if, if there's a better candidate, you know we're going to go for the better candidate. Um, the way around that is is to rotate, um, just just like you know I'm sure every place you know when when there's a student who you get to see for a month as opposed to a student you see online for 20 minutes, you you get a much better feel and you're much more comfortable um, with 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 that person. But with these likes, I don't know exactly, you know, how we're going to incorporate that into our um, in, into our evaluation system. Because j- just because someone likes you doesn't mean that they're going to be a good match, especially if they haven't rotated. I mean, you know, that just that just means that you know your website's good and they have family in the area, or you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not not exactly sure how to interpret um, those likes. And and what do you do with with, with somebody who's a, a great applicant who hasn't liked you. Uh, you don't, you're not going to know whether or not they liked somebody else or they're just not participating. I, I presume everyone's going to participate, but we don't know that for sure. Well, I, I think we should all adopt this new uh, nomenclature and just refer it to likes officially going forward. So we'll make, <laughs> we'll make that official podcast policy at least. But exactly. There you go. Uh, Dr. Resnick, I, 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 Adore the fact that you come right out and acknowledge you're going for the best athletes. You want the best players in the field. You're making no bones about it. And so I wonder, you know, we've been talking about it in this short series on the changes to interviews, and you touched on it in the opening of this conversation, the loss of the stratification by step one scores and this continual move towards more and more standardized and more and more, I I guess you could say, qualitative rather than quantitative applications. So, again, we've talked about this with everybody because I think it is a really good issue to get various perspectives on from different roles, from different regions and different programs. So 
with the perspective of a program that is so focused on, in your words, getting the best athletes, how are you changing your mechanism to identify those applicants um, as you continue to lose more and more uh, tools for stratification? Well, I mean, we, we have always relied heavily on, you know, the quote story, the, the personal statement, the, um, the letter and the letters, those have always been our highest, um, ranked, um, components of, uh, a, a, uh, evaluation of an applicant. What we use the board scores for, um, we're now simply going to use the medical school identity. If you're a, if you're a top flight medical student, you're going to we'll use that instead of the board scores. I mean, if, if you're at a, Ivy League, Big Ten, you know, largely a, a well-known medical school as, a pro, as opposed to some of the smaller, you know, upstart medical schools or, or the ones that are sort of, you know, recently switched over DO schools. It's going to be tougher to get um, interviews because uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we no longer have the – we've lost the board scores. Grades are at, at, at best, you know, um, inconsistent from, from school to school. Yeah, and we know that board scores don't predict being a good doctor. We know that board scores don't predict being a good neurosurgeon, but they, they but they do reflect a certain level of accomplishment and a certain level of competitiveness, as it were, um, that we we want our guys to be, you know, our girls girls and guys to to be competitive. We want them to be ambitious, and we want them to to want to be the best. Um, that said, one of the one best residents we ever had did very poorly on the boards and came from a smaller medical school. She rotated with us and was an absolute all-star. And she is, she's, she's out now doing great things and, and kicking ass and taking names. And, uh, you know, she was one of our best residents ever, but she rotated with us. And I, I think, I think the importance of the, uh, visiting rotation is going to be amplified. And I think this is the opposite of what, um, the AMC wanted. They, they, they wanted to make it easier for students of limited means to access the system. But now it's going to be harder because we're going to be more reliant on the in-person, in, in-person rotation to give students with non-traditional backgrounds who are, you know, the, the exact people you want to get in, it's going to be harder for them because we're not going to have... Um, the ability to see the results of their hard work, except by reading through nine pages, um, which you know, you know, Mike, you you guys get three hundred. We get three hundred applicants. That's a lot of reading, and you got to get it done in just a couple of weeks. Um, it's tiresome, and uh, expanding that is is not, I think, uh, going to be helpful to the non traditional candidates, which this whole policy is apparently supposed to be um, helping. Yeah, it's interesting, Dan. You bring up a lot of similar points with a lot of other very intelligent folks who are experienced in our field. And Jason Schwab was on, and we were talking about how this is really going to preferentially favor those from the, I, I should say, more prestigious medical schools. Absolutely. And then the other thing is the only thing left to do at that stage in your life is more research. And I worry about this because we were just having a conversation in the lunchroom the other day about how it seems like the folks that were most productive prior to residency in research are the least productive during and after residency. And some of our best researchers in our residency and as attendings are folks who did almost no research in medical school and before. And I wonder about this, like the, the idea that we can just tweak these systems and just not understand the implications. It, it worries me a bit, but of course, we're very traditional neurosurgery, so it's hard 
to have change. It's hard to face it, right? So how how like does someone who wants to match at Madison, someone who's desperate to train under you and the folks there, Mustafa Biscaya, Greg Trost, how does one put his or her best foot forward to say, look, you got a good chance of matching here? Yeah, Mike, it, it's you show up and you do a month rotation with us. You know, we're, we're allowed to do that again. Um, they are allowing um, resident students to rotate at, you know, three programs. Um, you know, that, that's, that's when we know that you're, that you're interested in the program. And then we get to watch you. And, and it's not just, it's not just how smart you are. It's how you get along with the residents, how you get along with the nurses, how, how, you know, when you present a patient, how long does it take you? Um, are you, are you, are you telling me the things that are actually relevant or are you just filling up space, um, uh, type things? And I think the away rotations now are going to be critical and, and this puts more pressure and more um, economic stress on the exact types of students that this whole process was supposed to try and benefit. I, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think there are, there are um, inadvertent um, what's, what's, what's the law, the law of uh, law of unintentional consequences. It's, 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 uh, it, I think, I think, it, I think it's the reverse is going to, is, is the case because now students who may not have the means are really going to be motivated to go someplace they want to go to. Um, you know, when I was a, when I was a medical student, I was deeply in debt. I borrowed an extra $10,000 to do my away rotations. That, that's probably not going to cover it these days, you know, between, you know, rent and, and airfare and, you know, getting a car and, and, and I mean, it just, it's expensive to do, you know, and, uh, and that's really the best way to express interest in the program is to show up at the door and say, Hey, I'm here to work for you for a while. I want to see what's going on um, because we're losing all the other handles. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I think much like how uh, Dr. Wang, you just pointed out the increasing focus on research, number of publications as, as a new kind of quantification, a new number you can point to. And Dr. Resnick, you're, you're rightly pointing out the increased emphasis on away rotations as a chance to actually meet someone in person um, now that interviews remain virtual. It's interesting how every tweak to the system kind of, uh, in, instead of eliminating the competition, just shifts it to a new arms race, if you will. Um, yeah. And and so I, I wonder, maybe to kind of put a, a cap on all this, thinking about these changes to the the like system, the the loss of the step one score to distinguish people from non-traditional backgrounds, all these things we've been, we've been talking about, Dr. Resnick, you mentioned that already a handful of times students have come to you and said, all of these changes, all this new system, what do I do? And uh, for a lot of it, you, you don't have a good answer, which is fair because we're all going through it on the program side as well. But I, I wonder if you could put yourself in the position of a student this year and moving into the field, um, approaching this new interview process, do you, do you have any sense, you know, if, if, if you were applying this year, what kinds of things would you try to do to make yourself the most desirable um, entering the field this year, knowing that you have a limited number of away rotations, uh, interviews are still going to be on the computer, then these likes or what have you, what would you tell someone who's planning to apply this year? Well, I think first off, I would be very, very attentive to my personal statement. Um, cause I do think that, that it, we use it a lot. We rely on that personal mm -hmm. statement a lot. Uh, two, I would choose my away rotations carefully. I would select 
the, the programs that I'm most interested in being at and do my away rotations there. Um, and when I was at that away rotation, I would make sure that I focused my activities with a subset of the residents and faculty so that you can, you can actually get a letter from someone who actually knows who you are as opposed to someone like, oh, yeah, I remember that person. They, they rotate with us. Oh, yeah, what was his name? Bob. You know, you know spent, spent some significant time with a subset. And it doesn't have to be the chairman of the program director, but just somebody who you, you um, gel with and someone who will go to bat for you in the letters. Uh, the other thing I would do um, is be very careful and wise with those likes. I would, I would like a range of programs, um, just as you want to interview at aspirational programs and backup programs and programs in the middle. I would use my likes in the same fashion. Um, you know, you want to, the, the important thing is that you match a neurosurgery. Where you train makes a difference, but you know, as as, as you know, Mike knows and I know that the board and the RSC, you know, really work hard to make sure that every neurosurgical neurosurgical program is up to snuff. So the most important thing is to match. Um, and if it's not, you know, if, if it turns out your boyfriend's not in that city or, or it's a little farther away from your, you know, your, um, your, your wife's parents, you know, be that as it may, the important thing is the match. So I, I would be very strategic in terms of those likes and distribute them amongst aspirational, realistic and backup programs um, as you go forward. Well, Dan, um, You've been so generous with your time and it's been wonderful to hear your perspective, but I wanted to give you an opportunity because I know what an amazing place Madison, Wisconsin is. I know what a great neurosurgery program it is, uh, in particular for spine. And maybe you could help us get some insight into your program. In other words, tell us about, you know, every program has a different flavor. What is it that's special about Madison? What kind of applicants are you looking for besides someone who's just awesome? <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Um, we we are obviously the best program in the country by far. Um, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah, we're we're tied with Miami. We're like we're, we're right there, always vi vying for for first uh, for first place. But uh, you know, we we have a, we're, we're a relatively large program with a relatively small number of residents. We we're doing uh, five thousand cases a year with two residents per with two residents per year. So the residents are very very busy. Um, the pluses of this place well you get to live in madison first off which is not as sexy as miami but it's actually much nicer and uh the uh the um uh, our program is, is is broad we have every base covered uh it's deep we have more than one person doing everything you got everything from mustafa to me to 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 uh to a uh, wendell who is our functional guide you know doing you know 70 dbs cases a, a year in the mri scanner uh type stuff um, the residents, we our, our residents are, are are our best asset. They are a, a great team. There's great esprit de corps. Um, that's why I wish people could come up and visit in person and meet the residents and, and sit and have dinner with them and listen to them joke with each other and, and such. But they they back each other up. They have each other's backs. It, it's it really is a band of brothers. Um, even though it's half of them are women, it's still a band of brothers. And they they. Uh, they really take care of each other. They're they're outstanding folks. They are, they're highly motivated to be outstanding, and they're a pleasure to train. And and I think, you know, what what applicants want to see is they don't want to know what my job is like. They they want to know what the residents' job is like. And and one of the, I think, really sad things about 
the evolution of the virtual interviews is that is that they really don't get a chance to come up and sit down with the residents, you know, when they're not being closely observed, when they're not wearing a suit and, and actually talking about things, you know. Um, but uh, it is what it is. Um, our, 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 I'm very proud of our of, of our residents. They're um, all stars. They're presenting. They're getting awards. They're traveling the world. And, um, you know, uh, my job is basically as an enabler. You know, when a resident comes up with a plan that I want to do X, Y, or Z, it's my job to, to, to make sure that happens. Um, I play a lot of Tetris with the rotation schedules, and we do a lot of negotiating with our with our allied services to uh, to, to, to make things happen. But, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do anything different um, if I could. Well, Dr. Resnick, uh, as Dr. Wang said, we do appreciate your time. Uh, you've been on the show uh, a few times now, again, reminding our listeners you're back in episode 21, talking about patient satisfaction. And I have always enjoyed uh, speaking with you, going back to Dr. Wang's spine section meeting in Miami a few years back, uh, where we first met. So as always, it's a, a pleasure and honor to have you on the show. And thank you for joining us again on the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here. And thanks for including me. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.